so I'm in my room. My computer is in front of me. It's uh, got my microphone here. It's got my notepad. It's got some notes about my podcast. It's time to rewind. Looks like they're open to the 35th scene of Memento that starts in color at 73 minutes and 20 seconds. With Leonard looking through his files as Natalie comes in and shuts the curtains and ends at 77 minutes and 12 seconds with Natalie entering the room with a battered face claiming that she was beaten up by Dodd. I've also got Skype open and... uh, Oh, hang on. Who is this? Bubba Weed. It's Eric, your co-host. The Color Minutes co-host. Oh, of course. I, I seem to have forgotten. And uh, and who are you? Well, I can say whatever I want, and we'll still be podcasters, or maybe even lovers. I'm Sean German. <laughs> Thank you for having me back. <laughs> That's, it's good to have you back. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's good to be back. And this is um, this was like the first time seeing the film. Like, this is one of the scenes that like kind of made my eyes open really wide in terms of like, wow, what what's going on? What are these characters doing or, you know, what, what's, uh, you know, what's the deal with this Natalie person? Yeah, this really, this, this really is the scene that makes the audience basically turn 180 degrees on Natalie, because up until now, uh, other than an occasional dig here and there, she seems like she's been a genuine friend to Leonard that's, that's been kind to him and helpful. And, you know, she will, uh, I forget the exact wording, you know, she will help you. She has also lost someone. She will help you out of pity. Yeah, out of pity. And and that's all we really know about Natalie. And then this scene just completely t- paints her in a totally different light. Is almost as, a, like, almost to the point is painting her as like a manipulative villain. Or at the very <laughs> least, like like I called her last week, you know, like a more like a sly survivor. Mm-hmm. But just say, you know, the, the kind of survivor that, you know, I'm going to do what, what is best for me and sort of, you know, ev- everyone else, you know, forget, um, you know, what what this does to anyone around me. I'm just looking out for number one. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's interesting, like whenever you watch this a second time, because the first time you're you're wondering, like, what is going on like what is she doing but then whenever you're watching this again for the second time it's like she comes in and she has this entire thing fully planned out in her head from as soon as she walks in the door she is like you know i am going through a b c and d i'm going to get him riled up i'm going to get him to smack me around and then i'm going to leave and come back and get him to go after dodd like this is Mm -hmm fully set in her mind from the get-go yeah she comes in she closes the curtains she grabs the pens immediately and puts them in her bag she Mm -hmm. has thought out point for point exactly what she is going to do here yeah and this is really contrast to in terms of uh you know the audience who who do we trust and you know who do we think might be dealing you know might be honestly dealing with leonard um, kind of a c- contrast, the, the first section that I was with you, we, you know, one of the things was, uh, Teddy offering a pen to, uh, to Leonard. And I guess it'll kind of also the, the last section, um, Natalie gives, gives a pen, um, you know, so he can make a note. But then, like, this is the opposite of that. This is, you know, she's, yeah, she's, she's gathering up all the pens, uh, 
specifically so that Leonard cannot, you know, won't have them, which is the opposite of what, you know, Teddy usually does. Yeah, it's like she is specifically preventing, like she's specifically taking away his memory because his memory yeah. is writing stuff down and she's taking away his ability to remember what happens in this scene. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. you know, we're we're not only are we now seeing who Natalie is, but it's it's a really good bit of acting by Carrie Ann Moss because she's acting so differently until this point in the movie. Although there's something about her that maybe you're not quite sure sits right. But on the whole, she seems kind to him. She's nice to him. She is just a complete 180 here. She's she's angry at him. She's mean to him. She's in a very aggressive tone. Her body language is very different. She's worked up. She's not interested in hearing, you know, the crap about his his condition. Uh, it's just, just a totally different light we're seeing this character than we have been uh, until this point in the movie. Yeah, it's it's almost like, um, in a way, it, it feel there's especially some moments. It, it's like you know a cat stalking her prey. You know, she is playing with her victim, and especially like, you know, she's swearing at him. She's getting him riled up. And then she has the moment, you know, towards towards the end of this where she just like she goes into this smooth, slow, almost seductive as she's like slowly circling him and talking quietly in order to just get that final dig that pushes him over the edge. Yeah, and I believe she, you know, she says she's, she's saying things that she knows she knows he's not going to remember, but she just know is just saying them to be mean and, and um i think you know some of that is to to kind of work this plan that she wants to get him angry enough to strike her so that then she can leave and come back and kind of play up that oh um, you know this dodd character beat me up and you go get him for me but i also get the impression that some of it is just she likes saying mean things to people and this is like the perfect situation where like i can just be mean to you and then you're gonna come back you know, almost like a puppy. You're just going to come back and you lick my hand and be friendly and we'll have forgotten all about it. But I'll remember it. I'll know that I was mean to you. Yeah, but I I think there's uh, there's is a little bit more to it than that as well, because I do think that this in a way that this is a way for Natalie to release or to point her anger towards Leonard, because she knows that Leonard was involved with Jimmy's death. And so I I think that a lot of this anger is real. This is real anger that the character Natalie feels towards Leonard specifically and and his part in what happened and she is enjoying the chance to to let this all out and and, and not have any repercussions to it and and in fact like have good repercussions, you know, have something good for her to come out of all this. Yeah. And that's a good point. And that it's good to remember. Cause I know I, I lose track of time, which I, <laughs> um, which is, I guess kind of par for the course, uh, you know, you know, on theme for this film, but I forget that this isn't like, this is the next day. It isn't just Jimmy went off to do this deal. And then some stranger showed up in his car in his suit. It's that, um, you know, Jim, has been missing overnight, even if they haven't, um, Although, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, well, sorry, I'm kind of wondering, like, does she know where the deal was, where they, where, 
you know, she knows Jimmy went to meet some petty guy. Um, if she knows where, you know, would they have gone to see, you know, gone to that location and found the body? So, you know, I mean, at the very best, all she knows is Jimmy's been gone overnight. So probably something bad happened to him or at the worst, they actually, um, you know, someone actually went to that location. If, if someone else knew where that meet was supposed to happen, if someone went there and saw the body and so that knows. So they either, you know, she, but yeah, she either thinks he's dead or knows for sure that he's dead. But it's definitely more serious than than he's just been missing a couple hours that it is the next day. Um, so, yeah. And then I guess we kind of got the confirmation from both her and Teddy that they weren't just they weren't just in business together. They weren't just kind of in, in the drug dealing racket together, but they were um, romantically or emotionally involved. So. Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, she does kind of have reason to uh, to not be uh, the best of friends with Leonard, but, but still, she's uh, she's not a nice person. <laughs> yeah, the, she she uses the word freak about what three or four times in this couple of minutes here, where she really uh, brings the hammer yeah. down on him, and it's it's very interesting that that's the word that they chose to go with when uh, putting the script together. Um, yeah, she, she because, goes, she says freak several times, and yeah. then she uses the R word a, a couple of times. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, our word. So to me, freak, it's like, you know, she could call him, you know, a moron or an idiot or something like that. But to me, freak is like, it's like another mm-hmm. level. It's sort of, you know, it's not just saying that you're abnormal. You know, calling someone a freak is like kind of almost a higher level to me. Of, you know, there's something really, really wrong with you. You don't belong in society. You know, you're really different in a bad way, you know. And it's so she's like, she finds a word that she feels really sticks the knife into him and so she's just going to use it over and over again yeah well and, and not just going after leonard but then going after you know his his poor sainted uh you know martyred wife right like that kind of crosses the line yeah it, it's worth noting too that um that again like how leonard acts through all this because as as she's insulting him you know he, he gets a little bit worked up but he kind of you know you see him like he'll he'll get excitable, but then he'll kind of uh, as she keeps going, he doesn't like increase in his agitation. He, in fact, he tends to uh, bring himself back down a bit, uh, like whenever he's looking for a pen in his pockets uh, is one moment, and the the two times that he does that. Natalie gets him to strike her. The first time is whenever she repeats uh, calling his his wife a whore, like your whore of a wife. That's whenever he grabs her by the mouth and gives her the bloody lip. And then the time that she gets him to punch her, and again, th- this is a moment where it seems like he's calming himself down because he... You know, he's, you can see that he's breathing heavy, but then he just explodes whenever she says, you know, we're still going to be best friends or even lovers. And then it's on the lovers that that's what sets him off and, and he just punches her. Yeah. He, he, the thought, I think we discussed this, uh, in a previous episode sometime in the past, but the thought of him, even though she is dead, of not being faithful to his wife. And the fact that she might be able to trick him into not being mm-hmm. faithful to his wife is just not something that he it, it, that that's the worst thing that can happen. That's why that sets him off. 
Yeah, and and you know, it, she seems like so happy that he hit her too. Yeah. You know, it, it it's almost like that that superhero moment, like whenever you have a fight of someone that's uh, or like the super villain moment where the hero thinks that they have the upper hand and they've given the villain a beat down and then the villain is like you know this is not even my true form or this isn't <laughs> even my final form and they you know they smile and wipe off the blood and then you know end up being even more powerful it it, it has almost that kind of vibe to it as she you know she just smiles and then casually goes outside and into the car and waits for his memory to reset. Yeah, yeah, and and you were saying the other day about um about how manipulative she is and and how her ability to read people, um, you know, that's something different you know, that that she can, you know, insult Leonard and then he's gonna forget about it and then they can be friends and you know in fifteen minutes or, or the next day or whatever. Um, you know, that kind of shows that, you know, she, she knows something about his condition, but that, you know, kind of she, she, ha- she knows what can set him off. She knows what push buttons to push to get him to act out is it's sort of a special skill. Cause I, and, and I, I, we talked about a little bit, um, that in the previous future scene where Leonard is kind of wondering why his hand hurts. Like I, I get the pressure. Not only is he not someone who gets into a lot of fist fights, but probably, uh, you know, doesn't hit a lot of women, probably doesn't think of himself as someone who is even capable of hitting a woman. But she, you know, she's able to drive him to that point where he, you know, that breaking point that's going to set him off. Like she knows just just what push, buttons to push on someone that, you know, she hasn't spent a lot of time with, that she's able to kind of read someone and, and act on it. Yeah. And and then after she leaves, I, I think it's. It's almost surprising that we get really, it, it's, this is a four minute scene and we get basically a full minute of him more or less trying to remember and looking for a pen. Like she, she walks out as she's walking out the door, there's still a full minute left in this scene. And it really feels like a lot of time that, that she gives him to forget and, and we see him. Like keeping an eye on her, you know, thinking that, like, almost with this object permanence, you know, as long as he's looking at her, then he is going to remember what she did. But then he has to find something to write with. And I, what I think is incredible is we really see him look in two places. He looks inside the desk and he looks in this little cup on top of the desk. And those are the two places that at the beginning of the scene, they showed us, they showed us Natalie taking pens out of those two exact spots. Yeah. So this, this last minute of this scene, um, is the exact reason when you, uh, were looking for co-hosts for this show, Bubba Wheat, that I requested being your color scenes co-host to be able to make sure that I could speak about this specific minute. This is my favorite minute in the entire movie. It's just there's so much going on. His acting is great in this. Just the desperation that he has there. The audience dealing with the realization of Natalie's true nature. We're so sympathetic to Leonard at this point as the viewers because we really feel for him and his condition and what he's trying to do as he's trying to remember and write this down. I just I I absolutely love this minute of the movie. 
Yeah, it, it is fantastic. And, you know, we, we were talking in the, the past couple of weeks and you know, the past several weeks that this is past the midway point in the movie. And the the repeated moments of the scenes have typically been getting shorter and shorter. And, you know, you'll see maybe 20 seconds of a scene uh, at the beginning of, you know, the one scene. And then the repeated scene is only like five to 10 seconds just hitting the highlights. But this is a moment where they go back to showing like the full, like the full 20 seconds is shot for shot exactly what we saw at the beginning of the last scene. Like uh, starting with him looking at it with his Polaroids in his hands, frantically looking for a pen, like, you know, got to stay focused, got to, got to keep it in mind. Mm-hmm. To the point where she says, he beat me up, you know, who, Dodd, who do you think? And that is just the importance of that scene and that transition Mm -hmm. for them to decide, you know, for them to make the decision to show us shot for shot, 100% what we just saw, like the full 20 seconds of that scene. That, that that kind of shows the importance of that scene and that moment to the rest of the movie. Absolutely. And and completely changes uh you know the interpretation of what we you know what we thought or what we saw in the previous scene. We see, you know, he's there, he has something he needs he's trying to remember, he's looking for a pen. And you know, it seems like she is just pulled up. I mean we don't see the car in motion, but we see Suddenly there's a car in the driveway and she gets out and she comes rushing into the house and, um, you know, she's bleeding. Her face is swollen. She's been hit. Um, and she's saying, you know, this, this other person and, and you know, this, this Dodd person did it to her and, and all the stuff that happened that previous scene. And now we see, well, no, she just left the house, sat in the car for a minute, turned around and came back, um, you know, completely changes what we've seen previously. So how does she know enough time has passed to go back in? I mean, okay, she's dealt with Leonard enough in the one or two days that she's known him to be able that she knows about the memory and she she knows what to say to set him off. But, you know, she doesn't know how long his blackouts last or how quickly he resets. Um, We could be seeing condensed time here that maybe in, in the universe of the movie more times passing than we the viewers are seeing. But it does seem like she comes in very quickly considering what it is she's trying to accomplish with him well she does you know test him out and i I think it's in line with the you know the the very first test that she gives him with that we'll be talking about in in a you know a couple more weeks with the spit and the beer Mm, Mm -hmm. true you know that that was you know very quickly that that was probably just like even less than a minute that was maybe like a 30 second gap so she knows that, you know, if if he has nothing or like if he doesn't have any sort of object permanence, then he can reset very quickly. That's true. Yeah, I guess we, I'm trying to remember if she knows. Like, I think we know that um, kind of emotion affects it. Like, you know, the, you know, an emotional situation will kind of cause his memory to go quicker that like if he's calm and collected, he can kind of keep a thought in his head a little bit longer. Uh, so I'm not sure if she knows that. And certainly she was able to, you know, get him emotional and, 
and put him in a state where things are going to leave quicker. And I kind of wondered because we kind of hear the, the voiceover as he's talking to himself saying, concentrate, 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 keep it in mind, keep it in mind, keep it in mind. And I wonder, like, at what point, at what point does he forget? Because I, you know, I think there comes, you know, well, there comes a point where even if he found a pen, you know, he would remember, okay, there was something I needed to remember and something I needed to write down, but not necessarily remember what that was. And he seems to be more concentrating on concentrating on on that he needs to remember something and not as much concentrating on what it is he needs to remember. Mm. Um, well, and in a certain way, I, I think it, it also um, calls into mind what's called the threshold effect. And, you know, like whenever you go into another room with an express purpose, like you're going into another room to get a pen, let's say. Yeah. And then whenever you walk through the door, you forget what you went in the room for. Yeah. yeah. And that is, you know, that that is something that a lot of us have dealt with. And that is kind of a, a similar situation. And it, the way that the movie presents it is it's the slamming of the car door. Yeah. You, you know, mm-hmm. that is the trigger. He hears that, he looks up, and then it's like that that takes his focus away from what he's doing, and it presents him with what seems like a new situation. He looks up yeah. and he sees the car, he sees Natalie, and then as soon as he hears that and he sees that, that is the, the trigger that brings him, you know, as, uh, I, I mean... The uh, the listeners haven't heard this yet, but uh, I, I like the way that uh, Stephen Tobolowsky p- presents it as, you know, you're being born anew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sort of the reset, the reset point. And, and you know, with that, I mean, uh, as a viewer who knows what he's dealing with here in this minute, I, I <laughs> he's watching her go in the car. He's watching her to see what she's going to do. He sees she's just sitting in the car staring back at him, and then he goes to look for the pen. And that... 15 seconds or so that he wastes watching what she's doing instead of looking the pen i want to scream at the screen and say Leonard, just find the pen don't you're you're good you're gonna run out of time you're not gonna remember get the pen and then look out the window to see what she's doing you, you, you got it backwards right yeah find a pen or find a piece of like thermal receipt paper and you can kind of scratch and yes. it in. Yeah. scratch then it into the finish her. on the coffee table you know do something yes exactly something <laughs> Is there a letter opener? You can you know, scratch it in something. Yeah. <laughs> tattoo it. Give yourself a quick impromptu tattoo. <laughs> Add it to your tattoos. I mean, it's, you can remember what you want to write down. Well, I guess he had a postcard and a note card in front of him that, to keep him, uh, to keep what he was tattooing fresh in front of him. But yeah, <laughs> just anything. Uh, just, you know, just scratch it into his arm. Just, uh, you know. <laughs> Just give a quick little scratches, like, don't trust Natalie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then in terms of that question of how long uh, does this really go on and is time compressed at all? One of the things we see in addition to looking in, um, kind of looking towards the house and looking at Leonard, she also, uh, Natalie checks, kind of checks herself out in the rearview mirror in the car to see the um, kind of the bruise on her cheek where she's punched, like, watch that kind of turn black and blue and that starts to swell up. And I, that also, you know, it's kind of an indication of, of the passage of time. Like she's much more bruised. Um, you know, when she returns, she's kind of got a black eye and stuff that she didn't, you know, it wasn't showing yet when she left. And I, I don't know how long those things take, you know, how long it takes to, uh, 
for like a bruise to to rise up or for a, you know an eye to turn black after you've been punched. But you know that's that's all just all, and also an indication of uh, you know some time has passed between um, between when she leaves and when she comes back in. We have this reset. Yeah, and um, yeah, I I do think that the the blood does seem like it it doesn't seem quite as fresh. It seems like. You know, it's had a, a few minutes to dry mm. to to where it's it's sticky, and she purposefully, you know, of course, didn't wipe it off because you know for for the effect of it. Yeah. Well, one of the things I wanted to um, to kind of go back to something I was wondering about. Um, we were talking about the the previous section with Leonard and Tenny in the car. Is um, does does she know where kind of where Jimmy would usually carry money when he was going out to a deal. And does she go over to the car and try to open up the trunk? Cause you know, as we see Teddy gets in, so we know that the, the car is unlocked and I don't know, I'm not familiar with Jaguar or this particular model. I'm assuming there was some kind of, um, you know, remote release for the trunk that if you could get into the you know kind of cabin space, you can pop the trunk open and um, kind of wonder did, you know, and we don't see it, but is there at some point while, um, you know, while Leonard's looking away, scrounging for a pen, does she, did she, or could she kind of wander over to the car and kind of check out to see if, uh, you know, if the money's still in the car? Yeah, I am, you know, that, that's, that, that is just an unanswered question because I, I feel like if she had gotten the money, then she would have just been done with Leonard and would have just kind of sent him on his way. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, just wondering. It's it's not something that that comes up in the film. We don't know. Like, does, yeah, does Teddy get it at some point? Does uh, did, did Natalie was was Natalie able to get it? Or uh, as uh, as you posited, is is Leonard just going to be driving down the road, and then at some future point, he's going to have some other reason to go in the trunk, and he'll be surprised by uh, you know this a, a bag of money and an unloaded revolver, and, and not have any idea how they got there. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely. You know, one of those unanswerable questions. Um, and then, you know, this, this has been a great scene and there is a lot to it, but I think, you know, I, I don't have any other specific notes because it, it is really just a lot of Natalie, you know, there's, there's a lot at the beginning, the middle and the end, but a lot of it is really just Natalie yelling it at Leonard. So I, I, I don't have any, any other notes uh, for this, this scene. Do either of you have anything else uh, about this specific scene? The only one I have is that I just wanted to call out uh, the really great facial expression. Carrie Ann Moss has when she is sitting in the car, staring back at Leonard, looking out at her from the house. It's a really great facial expression that says, I've got you freak and there's nothing you can do about it. Just this real evil smirk. And I think it's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that smug self-satisfied. Yep, absolutely. Look. And again, like kind of uh, going back to uh, how I described her as like, you know, a cat stalking its prey. It, it's like, you know, that this is the, the cat with its, uh, no, I forget what the phrase is, but something cat related. <laughs> <laughs> I think I lost, I forgot what I was going for there. <laughs> but the, 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 the the cat that caught the canary. That's that's what I was going for. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I knew there was a cat-related phrase. Yeah, she's definitely got that look. Like I, I've got you. You did exactly what I wanted you to do, and now I've got you exactly where I want you. And this is going to play out. Um, yeah, 
just that like, like this is this is done like you know what i plan to do it's as if it's already happened and there's nothing you can do uh, it's inevitable and it's just a matter of time uh, and we see it play out and like yeah this is and i guess the, the last thing i would say is just to reiterate like this is at least for me on, on first viewing like this is a big turn like certainly we've you know we've kind of gotten used to at this point of, of the film uh you know we've, we've kind of gotten used to the pacing and kind of the, the chronology and the way these uh, the way that the scenes are sort of unfolding, you know, the color scenes are unfolding um, in reverse order. And we're kind of used to, um, you know, kind of things, you know, our, our understanding of things changing as we go into the path. But then this is this is like the biggest turn, uh, you know, that we've had up to this point, just the, 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 the turn that we get from Natalie, from, um, you know, someone who was friendly to our hero and someone were sympathetic to, oh, wow, this is, you know. We, we were set up. We've been set up, um, you know, just the same way Leonard was in, in, mm. in misunderstanding this person and being deceived. So, uh, yeah, it's a really powerful scene. Yeah. And then uh, one last thing that I, that I wanted to ask you, Sean, that I've, I've been trying to remember to ask uh, all of our guests as we've been going through this movie. Uh, I, I am curious what your thoughts are, because there there is this connection between Sammy Jenkins and Leonard. So what are your thoughts on the theory that uh, Leonard is Sammy Jenkins? Like, do you think that they're the same person? Do you think that they're, that some other history overlaps? Um, what What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. I kind of lean towards that they're not the same person, that kind of there really is a, a Sammy Jenkins. But I think that kind of has to go with, like, there's there's sort of a set of, uh, postulates or just uh, a collection of facts that, that you have to accept to go with that. And among those are that, that this only affects, uh, you know, that the, the, the injury that Leonard had has really only affects the memories after, you know, kind of after the injury that, uh, and of course, you know, as, as we've discussed, memory is not perfect and we can, memories can, can change over time or we can forget things over time. Um, but I think, something like that his wife was di- diabetic like that's not something he would forget so i think that's i think that's one instance where teddy isn't telling the truth and so yeah so i think sammy jenkins is is a separate person um i don't think that leonard's wife was diabetic so there the do there does seem to be some differences between what we what we can see that leonard does and the way he describes uh, Sammy's condition and, and some of it, it's, you know, it's all secondhand. It's all an unreliable narrator in terms of we only know Sammy through Leonard. Um, like one of the, when he describes the way that like Sammy wasn't able to sort of form new habits. And, and I, 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 you know, I don't know the biology or the psychology of this. I don't know how true it is, but kind of litter talks about how, uh, your, your, you know, your kind of your habits and, and long-term uh, conditioning is separate from short-term memory, and so it should be mm-hmm. separate from, uh, you know, th- this kind of injury and this kind of condition. And 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 part of his deduction that, um, you know, even if Sammy wasn't necessarily faking it, but that it was more mental than physical, was that, uh, you know, Sammy wasn't forming new habits and form, and you know, kind of Sammy wasn't taking to. Uh, the conditioning with the experiments with the, the electrified objects. But we see Leonard, you know, Leonard 
remembers to carry a camera everywhere he goes. Leonard remembers that he needs to take pictures and he needs to take notes. Like Leonard has formed a lot of new habits um, that mm. that you know that would have formed after you know that would have formed after the injury. I'm assuming he's not someone who was going around taking pictures of, of everyone he meets and, and writing their name on it. Um, you know that's not something he did before the inner injury. So. Um, you know, so he is forming kind of new habits, even if he isn't forming new short term memories. So, uh, you know, so what we see of Leonard is different than what we see Leonard describe Sammy as, which I guess is not it's not concrete proof. But, yeah, so I I do think Sammy is a separate character. You know, it, it's someone, you know, that that's a case that actually existed, although that's kind of a. To say, like, as as a you know, sort of an insurance investigator, you investigate someone with this really, um, uh, like, really uncommon syndrome, and something that's actually real. Like, there, there are real cases. Like, this actually happens. Yeah. Um, but like, you investigate this really rare phenomenon, and then later you have an accident, and you get you end up with you know the same kind of uh, effect, uh, you know, the, the same kind of situation where you can't form. Uh, new memories that seems like uh, uh you know maybe the the kind of coincidence you only see in in film but then again like there are a lot of people in a lot of different situations so uh um kind of coincidences are are bound to happen i mean you know the the, the universe exists for a long enough time and eventually everything is going to happen um if you know given given you know an infinite universe and infinite time so uh you know it's not in, it's not impossible that this could happen but you know, I guess the, the argument against it would be like, you know, what are the odds that you, you know, that you investigate this really odd, um, very rare, <laughs> this, this very rare condition, and then you end up getting it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think yeah. that's interesting. I, and, and you're the, I think of, of everybody that you've talked to, you're, you're the one that's uh, the, the furthest apart between sammy's and leonard's backgrounds yeah. like you you have them the most separate i i, I think a, a lot of people have different levels of overlap to um, i think we, we had one person even say that you know went so far as to say that sammy didn't exist at all but uh, i think most people are, are on the level that that sammy is a, a real person but there is some overlap into their stories and Leonard has projected at least some of his own experiences onto Sammy's story. You know, I, I, I think, you know, I, I think I remember that we should probably be ending the show at, at some point, but it, <laughs> yeah. it has been a real, <laughs> it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Yeah, it has been definitely my, my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. And for for one last time, for anybody that might not have heard you previously, why don't you go and let them know where else they can find you online? Well, uh, you heard me, but you don't remember. So maybe this time you should write it down. You can use my pen. Uh, but I am Sean German from uh, the Next Scene podcast at nextscenepod.com. Um, I previously covered Groundhog Day, one minute at a time at groundhogminute.com. I also did This is Spinal Tap, one minute at a time over at Spinal Tap. Uh, minute.com and all my podcasting stuff and i've got some other hobbies that i document online and you can find that on my main site which is uh, cat and sean.org uh, cat as in c-a-t uh, the animal and sean s-e-a-n cat and sean.org so yeah yeah please check it out and again thank you um bubba wheat and thank you eric for having me this has been a lot of fun 
Yeah, and and thank you as always, Eric, for joining me as my co-host for this entire uh, season. I just hope I remember it all when we're done. <laughs> and, and one one other thing that I remember, I, I don't know if uh, you two have mentioned it before, but I, I noticed that. You know, I've got two Germans here. With me. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, uh, going back many, many years, Sean was actually the very first guest we had on one of my previous podcasts, Flash Gordon Minute. And as I said all the way back then, no nepotism was involved in that choice. No, and well, Ian, you know, I'm I'm not the real German because, of course, if I was German, I would be Deutsch because that's, <laughs> that's how they say German in German. So uh, you, you know which one of us is the imposter. <laughs> <laughs> and as always i am your host bubba wheat and you can find me on twitter where i'm at bubba wheat and you can find this show it's time to rewind on any podcatcher available out there as well as on we're on spotify for podcasters and we also have a facebook group it's time to rewind a time loop group and you can join that to discuss the episodes as they come out as well as have discussions about other time loop movies and stories and TV episodes. And uh, one thing that I tend to forget to promote, um, but I, I just remembered, is I also helped build a uh, Movies by Minutes wiki that has a lot of information about all the other Movies by Minutes podcasts and, uh, you know, other scene by scene and uh, five minutes at a time podcasts. And you can find that at moviesbyminutes.fandom.com and uh i've been trying to uh you know get that as robust as possible to you can search by uh, you can see all the movies that have been covered you can uh look at all the podcasts by their names and i'm uh, currently building pages for each podcaster so you can search for each podcaster and see what shows they've hosted and what shows they've guested on at, at least uh, um, at least that will be available as I continue to build it and uh, uh, until next time I assume I've already told you about Memento every single time I see you and you won't remember we'll still be best friends or maybe even lovers <laughs> <laughs> 